Welcome to the Apple of Truth, our weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while celebrating the great parts, pointing out the bad parts, and answering questions you never knew you even had. I'm Vero. And I'm Lena. And we can't wait to share our love and hate for your favorite characters. Today we're talking about Season 4, Episode 6, Orgy Pants to Work. I hate the title. I was gonna say, I feel like that's the worst title so far. Yes. Anyhow, let's just move on to what this episode is about, please. I had issues with this episode, so this summary is a little bit different. Nudist camp, human trafficking, unhappy Lucifer, manipulative Eve, trying Chloe, angry Dan, protective Abe's, random new angel. Full story, lots of bits and pieces, drama and turns. It's a summary. Just statement of facts. That is a summary. So for the obsession of the week, I'm not really sure we're gonna win this one because I decided to go with double life. Now you're gonna argue that we're actually in agreement because I went with authenticity. Hmm. No, it's not the same thing. Then I don't have to argue with you, then it's great. Which puts us at three versus three. Yay! But once again, in season four, I like mine better. I actually like mine better because I don't think he's obsessed with authenticity. He is obsessing over if he is pretending to be what he is acting as. He is obsessing over if he is still his old self. He only starts doing that at the end. To me, for most of the episode, he's obsessed with having separate lives and everything like this is what I do when I'm here and this is what I do when I'm there because this is, I want it to be this way and... Strong disagreement on my part. The double life is just what is happening. His obsession is claiming that he is both sides, then realizing that both sides are in supposed contrast and contradiction to each other and then being obsessed with figuring out which parts of which sides he actually is, which is why I ended with authenticity. Hmm. I see where you're coming from. I just see it differently. This might be a good poll. Hmm. That would be good. With the obsession out of the way and the week, <laughs> let's move over to the facts and funds this time. We have seventh time director Louis Shaw Milito for a final time. Last episode was High School Poppycock. Not coming back again after this. That's a shame. We have first time writer Ayana White who will return for one more episode and she has been an executive story editor since the beginning of season four. Oh, likey. Yes. We of course have our title being said by Lucifer and for some reason I didn't write down where that puts us. I'm gonna rectify that for the next episode. I think 4-2. I'm gonna make sure and rectify my count for the next episode. Both Mazikeen and Eve of course mentioned the name Lilith quite a few times. If she becomes a more prevalent part of the story, I'm probably gonna do a proper Devils in the Details at some point. I already did a small one in the past. For now, in Jewish Apocrypha, if you wanna know what an Apocrypha is, I have a reminder in my Devils in the Details. Lilith was Adam's first wife. She was created the same time and from the same clay as Adam. Lilith left Adam and Eden after she refused to become subservient to Adam and then she had sex with Samael and some other fallen angels and demons etc etc. Pretty much not mother of the year there. We have 
an, my opinion, wrong IMDb entry because the IMDb entry claims that the name Castiel gets mentioned when in fact it is Cassiel that gets mentioned. No, no, no. It says Castiel. Castiel. The subtitles agree with me. My subtitles said Castiel. I want to go back right now to check that. No, we're not going back right now. I'll check it when I edit this and I will be right. That's perfectly fine. I'm going to send you the screenshot that the Amazon subtitles support my claim. But of course, the supposed reference of Castiel is entertaining since Castiel is an angel on Supernatural. The interesting bit here is that the next episode is going to be directed by Richard Spy Jr., who has also been an angel on Supernatural. So I can't wait. Basically, you can claim foreshadowing here or something. <laughs> and <laughs> lastly, something taken straight from IMDb, which I don't know enough to judge upon, so I'm just going to share it with you. Chloe has Lucifer chase a fleeing murderer when she is pinned down by gunfire. It makes perfect sense to them for her to do so. But to everyone else who is there, it would look like she is inexplicably sending an unarmed mortal civilian to pursue and confront a violent armed fugitive by himself. It is odd that she doesn't get into any trouble for apparently endangering Lucifer as well as for her part in actions that lead to the death of one of their own officers. Strangely, only Lucifer is blamed. Of course, because... Uh... Well, that he gets blamed by Dan makes sense because it's Dan, but it makes makes kind of sense that this is being mentioned here in the trivia section basically because he is not a cop it was her decision to send him after her and she he is not trained for this yes he is the devil and she knows that but for everyone else yeah i'm curious if there's gonna be fallout in the next episode yeah i'd be surprised but i wanted to include this because i really like this commentary yeah i like it too also let's remember that when we talk about that scene and daniel's reaction because i have emotions about that so Let's just lead into the episode with previously on just a little reminder what happened so far. I'm sorry, what happened so far? Aww, thank you. Linda is pregnant and Ames is the father, Mace is around a lot, Ella doesn't believe in God anymore, Dan is blaming Lucy for Charlotte's death, Lucy and Chloe hit some obstacles, but at the end they decide to keep working together, and Lucy also decides to commit to a relationship with Eve, who is suspect as fuck. Yes, she is. So we start into the episode with a proper BDSM orgy right there for my eyes and my heart and my never regions to enjoy. This setup is amazing. Like seriously, this setup is fucking amazing. I actually considered for a short moment to do a freeze frame and do an in-depth analysis of all the toys and everything <laughs> that they have lying around and hanging and everything. Oh, of course. And I was is. like, well, there is fucking Ramiel, so my devil's in the detail had to be about Ramiel. I mean, I'm sure there will be other orgies, Lena. But will there be BDSM orgies? So rate my orgy. This one, kinky as fuck. And as far as I could tell, great setup. Authentic. In the best way. We've started this off as well with a song called Cradle by Doe. And as, as we are watching the shot of this entire beautiful setup, the elevator door dings and we get this iconic shot of Mace standing in the lift. And 
her face is everything. Like from the very first moment when she looks up and looks around, you can immediately tell that she is sad, upset and startled that she was not invited to this. But she was gone. So how would he invite her? Well, yes. However, you can tell from her expression that she is deeply offended not to be part of this. And I love that. So am I. (laughs) So while she walks in, we have this short interaction between her and Lucifer. And then Eve shows up basically with snapping the whip. Everyone hydrates! And I mean, very good command. And she goes on to say, also, no passing out unless you want to. Yay for consent! See, this is a moment when I actually really liked Eve. Because you can tell that she is doing it smart. And honestly, I don't know that much about BDSM, but from what I know, this is what you're supposed to do, right? Yeah, she is taking care of everyone. Hydration is always important, even outside of kink, but also no passing out unless you want to is the implied consensual part, which is at the core of BDSM. And everyone there looks really happy and it's... It's a great setup. And then we get another moment that under normal circumstances, and I believe on my first watch, I would have loved, and that is the first interaction between Mace and Eve. However, you got into my head, and I hate you for that. You're welcome. Because she immediately starts complimenting Mace, and she immediately tells her that she's hot and knows all about her. And I'm like, this is so good, and I like this for her I love the interaction and then the skeptic in the back of my head called Lina shows up and it's like she's only doing it because she knows everything and she knows too much was that a great expression impression perfect I have a shit eating grin right now on my face mm-hmm. I hate it I hate it a lot thank you I love it but Mace was gone for two months when did that happen was it just two months he said two months See, because so I was watching this and he says, you've been gone for, insert what he said, because I completely glaze over it as in, oh, she was busy with Linda or, you know, they really haven't seen each other much lately. That's true. And that was my only reaction to that. And not until the next scene when she comes home and Linda is very pregnant, I did not connect that Maze was actually away. And I was very much confused. When did these two months happen? They They didn't happen. We didn't see them. This is a time jump. So was it two months since the last episode then? Yes. All right. That's all I wanted to point out before the Eve interaction. And then Lucifer takes the opportunity to have Eve and Maze be distracted with each other, basically. And he goes off and we see this closing shot of the elevator doors and we see his face. And he looks so unhappy. Yeah. So he is heading to the precinct and we get a great song from a repeat artist called Pistol. And it is by Beasts With No Name, who we've seen around a couple of times already. I was about to say that name seems familiar. So it should. And I feel like 
I either already done Devils in the Music on this one or I'm gonna have to eventually because they are popping up a lot. So we open this scene with Lucifer telling all the details about his sexual adventures with Eve. And for the first half a second, I was convinced that he's talking directly to Chloe. And I was like, oh, not okay. That just wrong, not okay. And then the camera pans out and we see that he's actually talking to Ella. And Chloe is in the background. He's talking to both. Well, yes, but he mainly directs his storytelling towards Ella. She's the one who is eating it all up. She's the one responding, since he makes sure to ask Chloe if she is really okay with all of his sharing of his relationship. I'm pretty sure his storytelling was also directed at Chloe. Yeah, but he didn't interact with her anyway. She didn't interact with him. He did both ways. They didn't interact with each other. Let's put it that way. I'm gonna let it rest, but I disagree. Anyway, Ella is there and Ella is extremely interested in everything that Lucifer has to say. Question, is Ella not on Team Star anymore. She is way too supportive of Eve and Lucifer. I think that she just kind of goes with the flow. And since Lucifer has committed to Eve a few months ago already, she is supporting him no matter what. She just wants him to be happy because she's a good friend. So she stopped being Team Star because she wants Lucy to be happy. I don't think that she stopped being Decker star, but for now she is Team Lucifer. She stopped being active on Team Decker. Star. Yes, yes, it's dormant for for now. She's currently Team Chloe and Lucifer. Fair enough. And of course, there is the whole donut situation. I ignored that because it was so painful and cringy. Yeah. There is a lot of kind of a weird moments in this. This officer comes up and... I'm sorry, the donuts look like they were used for something during the orgy. And that's about as far as I've gotten in my thought process. I have so many potential ideas. I can tell. That they could have been used for. But I'm not gonna say a single one because it's much more fun. You know what? Keep them to yourself. You can recreate them. Not during COVID, but maybe in the future. (laughs) So I have a question. Another question. I'm sorry. Oh, so many questions. Do you believe Lucifer is actually that scatterbrained that he fucks up this with the donuts and also all the things in the future? Or is it deliberate? Is he actively sabotaging himself and his life? I think, and I'm gonna get into this in a couple of scenes, I think that he is really straining himself by pretending that he is two different personalities and things fall through the cracks. I don't think it's intentional. Curious. Let's talk about this at the end of the episode. I don't think it's conscious. Let's put it that way. For me, I'm only debating, is it purposefully or is it inadvertently? Now, Dan is gonna be a pain in the hole this episode. Dan is angry. He is angry and his anger is growing and it's directing solely on Lucifer right now, especially in this episode. And I demand explanation. And I expect they're gonna give us an explanation because if they want, I'm gonna be very mad. Because this... This is not okay. I actually feel that we have gotten more than enough 
explanation on this. Lucifer, in Dan's eyes, is the one solely responsible for putting Charlotte in harm's way with his involvement in her life and the connections and the whole obsessing over Cain, which in the end turned Charlotte into harm's way. Yeah, it's not good enough explanation for me. I don't understand how this was not an issue at the start, but it suddenly became an issue over the time when Chloe was away or when between season three and four. I feel like I have bigger issues with this done than with Detective Douche in season one, personally. Yeah, which makes sense because we have come to actually care for Dan and we know that he is so much better a person. So now it hurts more to see him have these tremendous shortcomings. So it makes sense that this is by far more grating on us than the previous Detective Douche when we simply didn't care about him. Yeah. He was great Dan. He was decent Dan. He was bestest been Dan. So now we miss this. We didn't know that we could miss this when he was still Detective Douche to us. Yeah. So to me that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well enough of Dan. There is a lot of music in this episode so with the next scene we get a next song by Marius Delamere called Feel It. It's just an instrumental bit again. They started doing this quite a lot that they stopped using Lucifer specific their own stock music that they used to have and they started using actual songs so Netflix probably just throws more money at them now so yay hope it goes into the wages as well as the music and we see Mace come home throw something a box a metal box on the floor and she says honey I'm home and I get these flashbacks to my childhood when I used to watch all of these different sitcoms and this was this one sentence that they always said very funny to me see if that was uh, the name of the episode I'd be fine with yes look at that we found it we found a better one we could have picked any other sentence to be honest but this is actually a solid solid one we're gonna find even more better ones we're probably even gonna find better ones from lucifer so here i got super curious she wasn't hunting bounties so she must have been busy doing something else but what the fuck could that be and apparently she brought something for the baby and i went into mental gymnastics to try and figure out because i had completely forgotten anything and everything about this and so this whole interaction with linda and amenadiel and mace was actually quite painful because since she was gone for several weeks she missed a lot of the progress of the pregnancy and she also i'm gonna phrase this really harsh she also vacated her spot and let a manadiel slide in and he took over as the caretaker that he is i mean a manadiel is basically a daddy dom if anyone would let him be one and that is fine he's a great caretaker but so of course he took care of linda he scheduled appointments to help linda prepare for her pregnancy which he of course was planning to attend and he makes sure to mark his territory now that Mace has returned because it is for pregnant woman and partner not demon and I worried I'm really really happy that my worrying was wrong or not wrong but unfounded Mm -hmm. but in this moment I worried that this might be the turning point for Mace to start acting out and I'm so so glad that she didn't do you want to know what I wrote down yes please Here's the thing Lena was worried about. Yeah. 
See, I was thinking about you a lot when I was making notes here because in this entire episode, I feel like I had at least three different instances where I was like, oh, Lena. Now, you were correct. I was wrong. And I will wrap up my notes on this scene by saying, what's in a box? <laughs> Perfect seven reference. Thank you very much. It's comes back believe me that makes me very very happy thank you so i'm gonna start the next scene with a hannibal reference because damn this is a really nice murder decal could be straight from hannibal dunn is so over lucifer he is so over him yeah but seriously so am i at this moment i agree and i was actually quite annoyed with chloe because chloe just makes excuses nothing else and immediately to prove done correct, which is slightly upsetting to me, Lucifer shows up with assless pants. And it just feels to me, and like I know that we've mentioned this already, that Lucifer, because he's trying to lead these two separate lives, it's just a little things start falling through the cracks. Yeah, but seriously, how do you not realize that your pants don't have a butt? This is why I'm leaning towards the it's deliberate. Seriously, there is no way you're leaving the house without realizing that your butt is naked. Do you know what? I'm gonna let you go with this because in uh, two scenes, I'm gonna have something to say about that. And I think that's gonna support my theory. And it's a bit of a head cannon. So let's just let this go for now. So we not only get the naked butt, we also get the title drop and the title card. And for the first time, no, for the first time in season four, <laughs> we properly stay in the exact same scene. Yes. I did not expect it. And then I had to adjust my notes. <laughs> See, every single time that you think they're gonna zig, they zag. But then, once you expect them to zag, they're just gonna zig just to throw you off. Yeah, and I like that they are keeping me on my toes. They are great. Lucifer is definitely not great, though, because he is completely distracted. And then he just goes off in the middle of the interview and starts taking dick pics behind a plant. He quotation marks fixes his pants with crime scene tape, which what the fuck? He is not able to have his fucking phone on silent from the first time it makes a noise. And then he takes a fucking dick pic. Seriously, I'm with Dan. I am fed up with Lucifer and I agree with you that Angry Dan makes us sad and that this has to go somewhere but also I get where he's coming from. If this has been going on for two fucking months I would be punching Lucifer in the face. Yeah, I think it's getting worse over time but I agree. So Chloe finally brings it up. Yes. And... I was just like, good, good that she actually tries to talk to him. It doesn't go very well, but, you know, at least she tries. And you can tell that he's really trying to concentrate, but also he's not really there. And at this moment, I already started saying in my notes, this is not going to go well. This is not going to end well. And didn't remember what was going to happen, but I knew this is going to get fucked up already. Same. I also couldn't remember a single thing, but... I was so sure that this was going to go so bad. Just want to mention, I 
absolutely adore the artist that they use as a substitute security camera because I just like the idea so much. This was really, really well done and a fun tidbit. Also, the art was fucking amazing that they had and I'm kind of curious who drew that. Hmm, I didn't think of that. Yeah, probably someone from the show, but those pictures looked really, really good. So petition, I want to put this on the question list. Yes, yes, I was just going to say and I was going to wonder if it's the same person that did the stick figures and all the other art. I just want to know. Let's ask it because I also want to know. So yeah, this is not going to go well and... Penthouse time. Penthouse time is a great segue. Let me do it proper. Instead of being sad, let's have penthouse time. (laughs) And I wanted to be happy, but then I was sad because there was no more orgy. And I wasn't the only one sad because Eve... It's also sad. And then I got angry because Eve doesn't want to get a life. And I'm sorry. Get a fucking life, woman. Yeah. See, as I was saying at the beginning that I like Eve and the way she is organizing the orgy and how she treats Maze and whatever. This is the moment where I hate Eve because I hate people like that. I hate people who are so obsessed with somebody that they immediately lose their entire personality when they get into a relationship. I mean, it makes sense. It can happen. Let's be fair to Eve as much as I have an issue with Eve. Let's be fair to Eve. It makes sense. Her only other relationship was with a man she was created to be perfect for and to please. So her entire life was based on making her partner her entire focus. So I get where she is coming from. But the entire thing about her seeking out Lucifer is supposedly that he was the first man or the first creature to ever ask her what she wanted. And now she doesn't want anything but him? Which is basically the setting she had with Adam. Except this time this is her choice. Yes, and of course, come on, don't at me yet. I am fully aware that making a conscious choice or basically consenting to a relationship and then making your partner your center opposed to being forced into a relationship and making your partner a center, very different things. But still, the main part of Lucifer is find your own personal motivation, find your free will, live your free will. And so I do wonder why does Eve not want to find or have her own thing? Why is she so focused on Lucifer being her thing and being her focus? And this just fuels my fire, my conspiracy hat and everything. This is a very good question. I couldn't have said it better myself. I sadly have no answers, just more questions. (laughs) Yeah, it happens these days with Eve. And I do have a lot of love for Maze in this scene because she's right. Get a fucking life. And Eve decides to actually go for it, even though her motivations might be slightly different, but whatever, she actually gets off her arse and does something with Mace and I appreciate that. Yeah, but my issue is that she needs someone else to get her off her butt. And also, again, don't add me yet. Yes, sometimes you need help from someone else to pull you out from an especially deep slurge or depression. But I feel like this is pathological with Eve, that always there has to be someone else who is the impulse giver. Seems that way, yes. And I don't want her latching on to the next best person. Yeah. 
Well, speaking of latching on to stuff, we end up this scene with a YouTube only song by Plague Vendor. It's actually a very good song. That's a great bad name. I think you you will like the name of this song as well. It's called I Only Speak in Friction. Ooh, nice. Right? Okay, and with that, we are moving over to the outdoors area where Eminidil is walking down and looking at baby clothes and stuff. Window shopping! And he notices that somebody is following him. And have you noticed, and this is something that I actually really, really liked about this scene, when he realizes that someone's sailing him, his face completely changes from the cute, caring Eminidil that we've seen into Battlefield. I am a warrior and I will fuck you up. This is one of the rare instances where D.B. Woodside actually gets to flex his acting muscles because I've known this actor since he's been on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So the man can act, but he rarely gets the opportunity with a mana deal. So this was a nice change and I'm fully with you because like in the beat of a heart, his entire demeanor, posture, body language, facial expression, everything changes. Which of course, dude, don't ever play poker. Well, I think this is a different situation. Yeah. He tries to be not obvious about... But you know what I mean. But still, it was fun to see. So, of course, the reflection of the strange person is someone with a spear that can't be good. And then I fucking love subtitles for hearing impaired because ominous music is playing! Yes! <laughs> so I know it can't be good! I fucking love it. After a very short chase, Aminadiel obviously grabs this humanoid and smacks her against the wall. And we already know that it's a her. And turns out to be his sister. It's an angel! It's an angel! So we get confirmation. It's an angel and it's Ramiel. And obviously, if you want to know who or what Ramiel in Lucifer is based upon you need to listen to this week's Devils in the Details and learn everything that I was able to find out. We get a little information drop in this scene where Remiel mentions that she felt a new celestial. Which to me is confirmation that we're gonna have a Nephilim. Which brings an interesting philosophical debate that we can have when they talk a little bit deeper about them expecting a Nephilim being born before. But we're not there yet, so we just get this little tidbit. We get a second tidbit as well. Oh. Because Remiel says, for the first time in a millennia. So it's not the first time ever. Anyway, we come to this scene, and watching this scene, I have created a theory in my head. Okay, share. Okay, I'm just gonna say it all as I feel like it is and how it became to be. So Lucifer walks inside, doesn't see anything. Granted, he probably doesn't really look around because he's changing his pants to go back. And suddenly, Linda is sitting there. She does not move this entire scene. She just sits there, talks to him. He doesn't see her when he first enters. And I'm like, this is really interesting. Is she really there? I saw where you were going with this. I did not consider this. It does work. Mm-hmm. Because they do not see each other otherwise. And why would very pregnant Linda go to the penthouse? Because she is a very good therapist and a very good friend. And so, of course, she does a house call. But your theory has more than just merit. Mm-hmm. It would work in theory. 
I like to think that even though Linda is very pregnant, she still cares too much about Lucifer to not check up on him. So for the sake of Linda, I'm willing to ignore your theory. But it is a very fun theory. I like it. I kind of like it because I see her at this moment as a personification of his subconsciousness. And this is why I was saying that I am more inclined to believe that a lot of the things that he's doing are not a calculated decision. I think that he is so out of his mind by trying to keep his life separate that he doesn't even know what's happening around him. And this would give some merit to this theory. If she really isn't there, if she really is just a personification of what is happening in his head, it would make sense for it to be Linda. The thing is, do you remember, I think last episode, our discussion about Lucifer being a biased narrator? And the question that I posed, whenever do we have an unbiased view of what he experiences? Yes, we talked about that. So actually, your theory would play into that mind game that what we see is not necessarily what is actually happening. Because just because we see Linda doesn't mean she's actually there. So I cannot say anything against your theory. I just don't want to go with it because I want Linda to be such a decent person that she's checking up on Lucifer. I don't think her not being there wouldn't make her less of a good person. I just really, really like this because it's just, it's fun. It's something different and it's something that I didn't see before. But when I realized that this could be a possibility, it just made me so happy. They haven't done anything like this before, so that's why I'm hesitant. Yeah, that's fair enough. But we haven't seen him this split up and distracted. And I've seen this trope on different shows. I think this is where this kind of started, where he is on the phone and he's ordering the gifts. And because she's talking to him, he gets distracted and swaps them out. It was so obvious that he was gonna fuck up the gift ordering. That I actually didn't like, but what I really did like, they are talking and Lucifer goes, we have some kinks to work out. <laughs> Standing in between all the BDSM furniture. <sighs> Classic Lucifer. That was just amazing. And I had to look up a word. I didn't know what bifurcate means. That he's trying to bifurcate being a crime solver and an orgy host. I mean, of course, within the context, it made sense. But that is a great word. I'm going to add this to my vocabulary. Of course you will, because you love random awkward words like that. I have nothing for the next scene, so I'm just going to shut up now. I have one thing on the next scene, and that is he gets into the car and I was immediately, oh no, he is so going to pass out. It's so happening. And then we get back to the conversation between Emmanuel and Remy. Remy! And, you know, like, first moment, and hasn't happened in a while, where I wrote something down and they immediately validated my opinion. My first note is, angels really don't care much about looking weird today. She's just walking down the street in her clothes and with her spear and everything. Do you care what ants think about you, Vero? No, you don't. You're right. That's a good point. But Remiel does bring up the fact that she is convinced, and everybody is apparently convinced, that the 
child is Lucifer's, which is surprising to Ames and it shouldn't, but also it was surprising to me and it shouldn't. And this brings me to the philosophical debate. How is it possible that Lucifer hasn't had a child? Because if everybody expects for that to eventually happen, it clearly means that it is possible for an angel to impregnate a human. Therefore, Ames didn't have to become a human or, you know, lose his wings in order to impregnate Linda. So it just turns everything on its head. And it once again puts one of our earliest questions into focus. What contraception is Lucifer using? Because so far he hasn't fathered an offspring. Also, I want to point out Remiel should not be slut-shaming Lucifer. Yeah. Screw you, Remiel. It's nice to see that it's the odd character on the show that does that. That it's not a rule. I can still do without. Oh, yeah, for sure. It just, it means that it is brought up consciously and with purpose. And it's not just thrown out as a comment. So last thing I can say about the scene is that Emmanuel clearly is going to try to convince Remiel that humans are worth it. Humans aren't that bad. It's going to be basically the plot for this part of the story. Wasn't that excited about that. I did like Remy as a character. I didn't care about Remy. I didn't really care about the story. And of course, turns out that I was correct and Lucifer fell asleep on the seat of a car immediately. Saw that coming from a mile away, but at least now Chloe gets to verbalize her feelings. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad she does that. For a short second, I was hoping that Lucifer was pretending to be asleep, that he was actually listening, but sadly no. I'm kind of glad that she actually decided to verbalize her feelings instead of sulking or trying to wake him up or something like that. But then he wakes up and he says, bring me the goat. And excuse me, is this a reference to the story, to the goat story that Emmanuel alluded to in season one and we haven't heard of? It has to be. We need the story. Give us the goat story. It is on our list of questions. Was I screaming too loud into the microphone? Probably. No. I'm very excited. Please give us more. This was exactly the right amount of excitement and loudness that was required with this goat mention. Okay. So he wakes up and they realize that their mark is now apparently kidnapping someone. And so they decide to intervene. And right the second before they intervene, we hear the bad guy, quotation marks, say, right, donkey kicks, I think, locate the trunk release. And I'm like, is this a kink setting? Is this like a (laughs) kidnap and rape scene or something? Like, I mean, no kink shaming. There are all kinds of kinks. And I was like, oh, no, it's not kink. It's training. Even though looking at the way she is enjoying herself and this is her third time getting kidnapped, it also might be a kink thing. Yeah, it's a plot twist that I didn't see coming, really. I enjoyed it very much. They like to switch it up a little bit on Lucifer, so that was fun. And we wrap up this scene with Lucifer claiming that he's gonna stay on the job. And I did not trust him to actually do the work. So then when we move back into the penthouse and we see Mace and 
Eve coming back from their party time. And Mace has a chainsaw. I'm sorry, but Mace has a chainsaw. Why does Mace have a chainsaw? I don't know. Yeah, it looks like they had a great time. There is a song. There is a song called Kerosene by Vanity War. I just wanted to say that. I'm gonna say that real quickly because Lina interrupts me again. I'm gonna actually strangle myself while staring into her eyes into the camera. That's also a kink. It's called self-asphyxiation. Kerosene. Vanity War. Great song. So the song is Kerosene and Mace has a chainsaw. Yes. That is a wonderful combination. I absolutely love it. I don't care much about this scene, I have to say. We have some bonding between Eve and Mace talking about Lilith. And as I said in the Facts and Funds, if we get more relevant parts about Lilith, I'm going to talk about it. But this feels like a setting up of the character Lilith. So I'm going to wait until there's more. It was more of a setting up of a character Mace, which I was here for, but this is just the first hint. What actually slightly bugged me about this scene is that Eve says oh my god at least three times and it's just something I didn't even notice. I never noticed this specific saying being on the show without being called out. So uh, it was just interesting to me that Eve as in Eve of From the Garden Eve would be going around saying oh my god. It was just something that didn't feel right to me. That's a very good point. I was so hung up on a fucking chainsaw that I was too distracted. (laughs) Clearly you were, yes. But that's a really good point. It just didn't sit right with me, so I wanted to mention that. Like I said, didn't realize, but you are absolutely right. And at the end of the scene, the printer arrives as the confirmation that Lucifer did mix up the two presents. And even though I'm very skeptical of Eve and I'm kind of annoyed by her, this is very painful and she does not deserve this. However, it would be a very much perfect gift for Chloe. So I really like to see... that Lucifer really knows Chloe and does something really specific like that for her. However, what he gets from Eve doesn't seem to be that specific. It's just a sex toy. Yeah. It lacks heart, in my opinion. He didn't really put any thought into it. It feels. It's just easy gift. So yet another reason for us to see that the state of the relationships that he is having, even though he is not actually dating Chloe or admitting his feelings, he clearly cares for her much more than he cares for his relationship or Eve herself. Anyone else. Which is sad for Eve, but also there's no surprise there. I was mostly surprised in this whole precinct scene that Lucifer actually did the work. Oh yeah. I did not see that coming, honestly. This is, in my opinion, even more confirmation that he truly deeply cares for Chloe because he did the actual paperwork. So because he did his homework and because he stayed up all night, we now have another lead and so we can move on to the nudist colony. Sanctuary. While listening to Vinyl Spectrum's PS118. And I was actually gonna look into this and try to figure out what the name means and then I completely forgot that it existed because there's about 50,000 different songs in this episode. And first thing I noticed in this scene, weirdly enough, is clothes. And it's the t-shirt that Ella is wearing. What is she wearing this time? I don't dare point out her shirts anymore since I was so wrong last time. You were wrong two episodes in a row. You two episodes in a row, you pointed out Ella's t-shirt and both the time you were wrong. Shush! (laughs) So funny to me. The second one was very very wrong. But it was completely in the bonus so nobody knows. Nobody knows what Lena has seen. 
Nobody knows but Vero. Go do the scene. You're being mean. I love you. So Ella is wearing a t-shirt. It has a bottle and a little glass. And it says, I just rescued some wine. It was trapped in the bottle. So obviously this entire setup is just for the fact that Chloe is usually presented as the prude and she does not want to take her clothes off, which I understand. She is a professional. Of course she doesn't want to take her clothes off. She already took her clothes off when she did Hot Top High School. It's not that she can't take her clothes off. She's a fucking police officer and she's on the fucking clock. So while I get it's being played for love, like, oh, don't be such a prude. I'm a bit over playing reasonable behavior as prudish. I didn't read the behavior or like the reaction to it that way. To me, it was more like we're really excited to do this and her being actual the only professional in there. As usual, she's always the only professional. Obviously, she works with children. Ella and Lucy, of course, instantly strip down in record time, which is kind of impressive. But to me, the most hilarious part of this nudist sanctuary scene is the lengths they go to to prevent any actual nudity (laughs) to be shown. It's so funny. It starts with the fucking fruit bowl with the upwards turned banana and the two oranges. Which is like, penis balls. But it never stops. It never fucking stops. You have always conveniently placed items in front of boobs, nipples, penises, balls. Also, I noticed in this scene that Ella is very confrontative with Julian. She very much engages and is an aggressive part in the whole questioning. I feel like Ella is changing. I was disappointed that we didn't get more proper Ella parts because I believe that even previous season Ella had going to a nudist sanctuary on her bucket list. Yeah, she would. So I take no issue with that. We have seen her confrontative with the comedian in season three, I think it was. So all behavior in this episode would fit in any kind of Ella situation. And that's what I found really disappointing. And I immediately started hating on Julian. And then I said, oh, but he is too obvious to be the killer. Little did I know. I had the same thought, I have to say. Because he was set up as too obvious. Come on. Yeah, it was deliberately done that they made him too obvious. So we would think he's a red herring and not believe it would be him. In the end of the scene, Chloe obviously brought the warrant. And it obviously also didn't take her long. So everyone could have been a fucking adult without stripping naked instantly. But of course, they didn't. In the episode, we see that it was actually really important that they did because we get the clue from Lucifer's clothes, which we wouldn't have gotten if he hadn't stripped down. So, yay. Yay. So, yet another scene with Emmanuel, And we are in Lux, so there is a song. It's called Decisions by Cream and Maya Wright. Yeah, Ames has to decide to tell Remy what the fuck is going on. I have two notes for this. A, Remy doesn't like pants. I agree with that. Pants are evil. And B, I say once again, Amenadiel is so bad at keeping a poker face. And I'm gonna add one more note to that. And that is, in this scene, it feels like Ames is not over Linda. It feels... Like, he still has feelings for her romantic styles. You're right, and I hate it, so I chose to ignore it. Mm-hmm. But because he is in Lux, he can't be at the Lamas class. So our favorite demon gets to be. 
Mace is just being absolutely perfect Mace. She is watching the birth video with so much joy. It's incredible. She is especially enjoying the torn perineum. But then uh, the instructor starts talking about... Feelings. Well, bonding (laughs) between mother and daughter or mother and child. And this is where it starts getting really clear that Mace has some unresolved mummy issues that we haven't encountered in full just yet. And I appreciate that they are bringing it in because I think that it's a valid part of the story and it's a good timing for that. Basically, this is a triggering situation for Mace that she wasn't aware would be this intense because otherwise she would not have inserted herself into this situation. And it makes perfect sense that she removes herself from there, which actually is surprising healthy to remove yourself from a situation that is as emotionally painful to you. So I am very proud of Mace. Of course, it sucks for Linda because now she's all alone. But in a situation like this, you have to take care of yourself first because otherwise you won't be able to take care of anyone else. It's the same with the oxygen mask. Bonus points for Mace for behaving in a healthy way, especially later in the episode again. I also want to point out we had had queer couples in the Lamas class. I love the way that they do inclusion or normalizing of diversity without pointing it out, but just putting it in the usual scene. Just like when we have female thugs and I point it out, but they don't make the effort to point it out, but I want to point it out. And so here we had several female-female couples, but they are not in focus-focus, just like the other hetero couples aren't in focus-focus. And I like that. I like the normalizing of this because this is the way it's supposed to be. But since it's not yet everywhere, I'm going to keep pointing it out. Mm -hmm. I have one more thing because I started thinking about Mace and her issues and what she was doing. So I ended my notes on this scene with what's in a box? (laughs) Because I remembered it exists. I didn't. I forgot the box until the very end. And my next note is from the precinct where Chloe is interrogating Jillian. And I'm like, okay, wait, wait a second. Is he actually guilty? I completely ignored the whole interrogation because Julian is disgusting and I hate the character and everything. So much. Ah, I just really, 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 really hate him. And I already wrote down, I really, really hate him. And we're not even at the fucking ship or anywhere else for that matter. I adored Chloe because... Once he's taken and then Dan comes in and goes like, oh, he's untouchable. And Chloe goes, no one is untouchable. And this is moral high ground, Chloe, that the law and justice will always win. And this is one of my favorite types of Chloe nowadays. She has the high ground forever. Exactly. (laughs) And she's gonna win. Even if it means she's gonna cut somebody's limbs off. Go away with your Star Wars references. (laughs) Anyway, we can go into the penthouse. This scene, I feel like it was supposed to do something it didn't do it for me. Or maybe it was supposed to do what it did by not doing it. Let me explain what I mean. I am so confused. I can see everybody's puzzled faces as they are listening to me bubbling. But Eve comes out. She's not angry. She's just disappointed. No, she's more like sad than anything else. And she starts talking about how uh, she didn't have a choice. And she says, 
you set me free. I just want to do the same for you. And the way she talks about this, I know that she wants to put herself into the position, I'm gonna be here for you to become who you want to be. But to me, Chloe has already done that for him. Chloe has shown him that he doesn't have to be who everyone expects him to be. That he can be whomever he wants. And it feels like Eve is forcing him into being something that she wants him to be, which is exactly what Adam did to her. And I'm not sure if I'm being clear with my explanation, but she is trying to put herself in Chloe's position and she's just too late in this setting to me, in my brain. And I know that this is what we're going to struggle with for the rest of the episode, but like this is something, the setup, I really hope that they did this intentionally. Several things. A, Adam didn't force Eve to be anything. God forced Eve to be created as she was. You know what I mean, though. No, because that is a very, very important thing in this whole parallel, because in my opinion, this is a parallel being set up. This is a mirroring situation. And Eve is not equating herself with Chloe. She's equating herself with Lucifer. And Chloe is Adam. And this makes me wonder if she knows about the Miracle Child situation. Oh. Because since Chloe got created in a way that Lucifer's powers don't work on her, she is the only person with whom Lucifer has certain options because his powers don't work on her. And by this, he is forced, in quotation marks, to focus his attentions and his potential future onto her. And Eve, in her supposed willing to help Lucifer break free goes you don't need to focus on Chloe who is this one special person you can focus on me because as far as we've seen his powers don't work on Eve either we haven't seen him use his powers on her so far we have not seen either way and since she is already this hedonistic let's enjoy all depths creature she is basically going you don't need to focus on this special creature you don't need to question yourself you can just be who you already are, who you were repeatedly told is bad, but you can be this amazing being and be with me. Eve is Lucifer, Lucifer is Eve, and Chloe is Adam. I know what you're saying. And this seems to be her intention. It just doesn't work for me. And it makes sense that it doesn't work because it is doomed to fail. Because the entire thing between Chloe and Lucifer is based on so many more things than just her not being affected by his powers. Also, Eve is operating under very wrong assumptions here because she describes that Lilith was the ideal woman and she was basically the substitute for that. And from everything that we have learned about Adam and about Lilith, they sound like a horrible match. So her entire perception seems to be so twisted that to me it makes sense that she also has this twisted perception of herself, Lucifer and Chloe and is trying to realize this narrative. But because it is so twisted, it doesn't work for us as the viewer because it's not meant to work. That's what I was saying earlier when I was entertaining the idea that I'm supposed to feel this way. So we have this whole monologue from Eve, which have been commented by me monologuing for a while and Lena monologuing for a while and when we were done with all that Lucifer's reaction to it is he takes out a paper out of his pocket looks at it and runs away (laughs) 
And in this moment, I'm like, did she just say something to help him solve the case? And this was my presumption until it gets revealed what's on the paper, that he saw something that he saw earlier. And with the new context that she gave him, he realized something and that's why he had to go back. That was my assumption. In a way, you're right, because he was so desperate of getting out of the situation that he <laughs> literally searched his pockets for anything to be distracted and that's how he found the note. Okay, that is my new headcanon. It's like, fuck's sake, what am I supposed to tell her now? I don't know. Oh, oh, a thing. Oh, this is case related. Bye. Basically, yeah. Yeah, fair. I'm good with that. We go over to the precinct and even though I, for the life of me, could not remember this fucking episode, it became very, very clear to me that we were gonna have human trafficking relating to the women brought into the nudist colony because of the comments that we had made in the nudist colony and because ships and trading and prostitutes and everything. I was like, okay, there's gonna be female human trafficking. I did not pick up on that at all. Well, Dan is asking the right question. He's asking about the motive. And we didn't have the motive at that time. And Lucifer bursts in being Lucifer. You know what? I think that he really should start treat Daniel better if he ever wants to improve the relationship because he keeps on making it worse for himself. He physically pushes Dan out of the way. I mean, he is bringing a new information that cracks this case wide open, but I don't care. Yes, exactly. <laughs> he can do it better. He should do it better and I'm really tired of them not being friends I really miss them being friends I honestly don't see it happening again I don't see them be friends again I want them to be friends again I love their friendship I miss their friendship and to continue with my notes I miss their friendship but speaking of ships oh wow <laughs> yes Marigold is actually a name of a ship <laughs> speechless Lena <laughs> I'm trying to find a nice segue into my notes, but I can't. So I'm just gonna go. Stakeout! She talks about Hot Top High School, that she changed, which on the one hand was yay, because he needed to hear this, but also she was so adamant about changing him in the beginning of the season that it had a bad sight taste to me to hear her talk about that. And then I got my confirmation that I was right about the human trafficking. So I was like, yay! Well, when they have the conversation, it reminded me, do you remember in season one, Lucifer and Chloe together would only have meaningful conversations in the car? And it feels like we haven't had a conversation like that in a really long time. So to me, it was just really nice seeing them talk because I missed that. He says, I like work very much. And he means, I like Chloe very much. Then he says, it makes me want to become a better man. And I just fucking melted because it just, he means Chloe. You're supposed to want to be a better person for yourself and not for someone else. Of course you would say that. You're not wrong. But also, it's just really really sweet. Also, shut your face and enjoy the and moment. let me be happy for <laughs> once. I agree with you that it did have a little bit of a bad taste, her whole speech about change. But also, she spoke from the heart. And she is also correct. 15 years ago, she was sitting naked in a hot tub. Things change. People change. 
And 15 years ago, Lucifer was sitting in hell on his throne. And then he left hell and decided he doesn't want to be that anymore. But yes, human trafficking. And this is a moment when I start to go very much into caps for the rest of the episode. Have at it. I'm just gonna interject sometimes, but shout us through it. So, start it very eloquently. What the shit? What a fucking piece of shit Julian is. He's not getting away because Lucifer is after him. And you know what? He has a devil face coming. He deserves a fucking devil face. And then we kind of have this whole commotion in front of the ship and you see the women trying to escape and as you mentioned in the funs and facts, Chloe does send Lucifer after Julian. And then we see Julian, a child, a guy that looks like he's 12 years old and he behaves like he's a teenager who doesn't know what consequences means and he's holding a gun. Who gives... A person like that, a gun. Morica. And here we go. This is the whole root of our problems. It's America. And of course, in good old Lucifer fashion, Lucifer goes full on parallel with the case. And I was so torn because on the one hand, I wanted him to do the devil phase and really, really wreck that fucking asshole. On the other hand, Lucifer reeling himself back in is what Chloe would have wanted. Basically, if he had gone full loose then it would have been the version Eve wants him to be he's reeling it back this is the version Chloe wants him to be he's choosing Chloe in this moment and he gets punished for it nearly immediately and as much as I hate the end of the episode it made sense because he tried to do the right way and it resulted in someone that he at least liked because he had been joking around with Rookie being shot and killed I couldn't believe that they actually killed her I could not believe this I was watching this and for one see him and letting go and saying oh you're lucky enough because I'm gonna let the police deal with you and I'm like are you fucking serious look at the guy why don't you fucking catch him why don't you decide to be all moral high ground after you actually grab him and the fucker is not gonna try to run away from you this is on Lucifer the fact that he let him go that's on him the fact that he murders Joan I think that's her name. That's not on him. That's on the stupid fucking Julian. And as we start getting one of my favorite songs of this entire episode called Golden Shore by Kyle Neal. And that is the song I have done my Devils in the Music on this week. And it's a little bit of a different Devils in the Music than it usually is. So hopefully it comes out good. Enjoy. It's intense. We get Daniel approach Lucifer. And Lucy is standing there at first And Chloe passes him by and it looks like she wants to come up to him and then decides not to. I do wonder why. Same. And then, of course, Dan is not helping the situation. As he usually isn't. This whole thing with the death and with Daniel talking to Lucifer and with Chloe not talking to Lucifer, this is genuinely every single thing that could have gone wrong is going wrong in this moment. To me, it became very, very obvious that this was now gonna be Lucifer spiraling. So when we cut over to the penthouse and he is getting an address from Mace, it is clear that Lucifer is going to deal with this on his own. I don't think he was completely ready to go there yet. We see him doubt himself and... Just to make sure that he gets the final push. Eve shows up. I'm just very much not happy with Eve right now. And then, you know, to break up this intense, horrible situation, we pop into Lux for a second to see Emmerdeal finally 
confessing up to Remy that he's the father of the child. That's pretty much the only thing that happens in this scene, or am I wrong? I only have one note, which is, I do not care about this side plot. Yeah, same. And then the good old question comes back. What's in a box? <laughs> it is finally time for Maze's gift. And I enjoyed the apprehension Linda has when she is opening the box. Same girl. I mean, come on. If you got a beta box by Maze, you would also be kind of worried. She already gave her knives for the baby. But surprisingly, it's a baby blanket. And I'm very much confused why this baby blanket wasn't such a fucking weird container. Which also isn't explained in any way. Maze has normal bags. She has her knives in normal bags. There is no reason why she would need to use this beat up metal container. But it's a baby blanket. It's a baby blanket. Friendship saved. Auntie Mace is here. She is part of the family. And she will never stop being part of the family. I really like the way Linda is handling this. Because she is entirely honest, but still absolutely welcoming. So Linda appreciating and embracing May's sharing openly about how she thought about her own mother and what she would have wanted from her. To me, this is the May's desperately wants to be part of a family and she had that in a certain way with lucifer but she was always more servant than family and now she finally with linda and this new created family she is actually part of a family and so this scene is one of the highlights in this episode because this is just pure beauty and pure heart and pure feelings so i appreciated very much that the penultimate scene of this episode gave us joy and love and hope because the final scene doesn't it does not they actually named this scene fuck julian motherfucking julian vigilante lucifer and i hate him so much he does deserve to die and i was right i stand by it anyway there is a song that is gonna guide us through the rest of this episode which is not that long it's called flood by lotze and Elm, another very good song that brings the entire mood exactly where it needs to be when motherfucking Julian empties his stupid gun into Lucifer and of course Lucifer doesn't even blink and then he asks the question that everybody asks even though Lucifer said it already who are you he's the fucking devil he told you boy yeah and no one will ever believe it when Lucifer tells him. Why would Julian be any different? You're having a visceral reaction to Julian and I just don't care about Julian. I just... I hate people who think that human life is not important. Yeah, and I get that. There were so many more interesting things about this episode that I simply didn't care about Julian. I cared way more about the fact that finally we have Lucifer waiting in the dark, suddenly being in the light, having a drink, which we haven't seen in so long and I was just happy to have this back. I was way too filled up with hate right now to notice that. And I love that in the conversation Lucifer and Julian have, Lucifer focuses on the greed 
Julian has. Greed is a cardinal sin. So this is where my focus goes. Lucifer pointing out Julian is guilty of following one of the cardinal sins and thus he is deserving of punishment. And punished he is. First by a devil face and then by being kicked through the fucking window. And it is extremely satisfying. I went into this scene and out of the scene with probably very different emotions than you. But I'm gonna let you get us into the final moments of the scene. Julian flies through the window and ends up by Eve's feet. And now we're getting to the point where Eve is getting very evil. Evil Eve. Evil Eve is back. So I'm not sure what happens here. We are supposed to think that Lucifer kills him, right? It's either he kills him or he broke his spine. He did something. I believe that they want us to think that he murdered him. But I am not ready to believe that Lucifer would do that with such ease. I just don't want to believe that. The scene ends out with Lucifer stating that this feels right, which to me is the worst line in this episode because it has been made abundantly clear that Lucifer was never hands-on with the torture, especially during season two. That's a good point. So with this final sentence, we fade to black and I was very, very angry. Yeah, I have emotions and thoughts and this feels like some sort of a mid-season finale because it was very intense. I mean, what happened? Emmanuel comes clean about the baby, Dan is being Daniel. Eve is pushing Lucifer to the dark side. There is just so much happening. But the storyline itself is so good. It's so well through. And I know that I came off as really angry and really intense and whatever. This means that I'm engaged and that is a good thing. They're offering me so many options. This can go so many different ways. I don't believe that Lucifer just kills people now. However, if he does, I hate it a lot. But also with Eve being the evil that we established, it would not be that much of a stretch for me. Again, I need Daniel to snap out of his bullshit. And I know that this is not a very cohesive final thoughts. I was very much filled with emotions when I wrote this. But I am so over his behavior. I just want him to not be angry and not be in pain anymore. So to close this out, only positive thing that happens in this episode is Mace and Linda, and maybe a little bit the talk in the car of Lucifer and Chloe. With that being said, I did love this episode. I really did. I just want to binge the rest of the season right now. So I know what fucking happens because I have zero memory. It's hilarious because we have such different viewings and perceptions in this. I hate the storyline. I hate the fact that Eve is being turned into this horrible evil temptress that leads Lucifer astray and all of that. And you completely hate on Dan's arc and I'm just completely going like, yeah, it makes perfect sense. So it is really interesting how the two of us can watch the exact same episode and come out of it with such different opinions. So to go into my final thoughts, I basically go, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Lucifer is in the middle of an identity crisis, torn between his supposed old and new self, but his behavior that we are presented with at the end is nothing like his actual old self. Eve is a horrible, terrible influence for him and all of my fears and amenities seem to be coming true. So yay, I was right, I guess. I absolutely 
absolutely enjoyed the Maze and Eve moments, but I was simply far more interested in more background information on Maze and her broken relationship with her mother Lilith. I really like the way Maze is trying to connect to Linda's pregnancy in her very own Maze way and how she's getting welcomed into that family and opening up honestly to Linda with the so I thought about what I would have wanted because I feel like this is one of the most vulnerable we have seen Mace so far. While I found it reasonable and somewhat satisfying that Heaven seems to be keeping tabs on potential angel offspring, I'm very much confused as to what exactly Ramiel's plan here is because she goes, I'm gonna cut very carefully, which seems a euphemism of still killing the mother since I doubt Ramiel is a freaking surgeon. Also, is she just gonna go away now that Amenadiel told her, it's actually my child? Kinda doubt that. So many questions, zero answers, because Remiel was an utterly irrelevant side plot. Dan is still on the blame Lucifer path. There is no character development there, but at least Chloe verbalized her feelings to a sleeping Lucifer, so I'm taking the small wins that I get. But sadly, Dan is not the only person with no development. Ella also doesn't get any. And I think I explicitly said last episode that I expect them now to deal with Ella's loss of fame in the foreground. So I was extremely disappointed with this. I agree that this feels kind of like a mid-season finale, which kind of makes sense. We are now six episodes through. There are four more coming up. So let's see if those four episodes deliver. And with this, we say thank you for listening. Please find us on our various social media. We love interacting with you, either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash daotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards, such as early release, merch and hours of bonus content. Yes, hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really do help. Or telling all your friends about us because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.